welcome to DiplomacyGames.com. Yep. I'm Kana. I'm Andy. This is episode 30. And it's a special Anzac Day edition. It is. So, um, Anzac Day for all of our American friends is hard to describe. It's kind of like Veterans, Veterans Day, Memorial Day and all those type of things all combined into one. But uh, Remembrance Day, yeah. I guess it's a, it's a day where we as a country think back on um, military things in the past that the Australian New Zealand Army Corps were involved with yeah, right. people who were you know, lost in various battles around the time yeah. so ANZAC is a acronym for Australian New Zealand Army Corps which was the um, I suppose it was the initial military that was put together for World War One, combining both the Australian forces and the New Zealand forces to go and serve king and country I, look I didn't realise until yesterday but I, I discovered that um, New Zealand was involved with the Vietnam War were they? they were yeah they, I didn't um, know that yep yep no they sent troops to uh, in support of the ANZUS treaty the Australian New Zealand US treaty oh yeah yeah um, but they sent the minimum required amount to satisfy their treaty obligations okay but they were involved no I, do, I didn't know I didn't know that New Zealand was involved in Vietnam. No, neither did I. There yeah, you go. So, there you go. So, um, anyway, it's, um, it's, a, it's an interesting day because Anzac Day is actually the, today, the, the, when we're recording this, the 25th of April, which is the day that the first time that the combined Australian and New Zealand forces um, had, I suppose, a battle conflict. Was, uh, Gallipoli. Like Gallipoli, yep. There was also another battle in France heard on the radio on the same day. Oh, was it? Yeah, there was. Yeah. I think actually there was had been some earlier action up in um, Papua New, Gu- or New Guinea, which was at the time a German colony, where, you know, we sent a few forces up there and there was like only about 30 Germans sitting around with a couple of, you know, rifles and whatever, and they went, oh yeah, we give up. Yeah, but we won. <laughs> yeah, we won. But the uh, irony, I guess the way that um, Australians work is that... Um, Anzac, the Anzac uh, battles, or sorry, not the battles, the Gallipoli battles, were in fact a, a resounding loss to Australia and New Zealand and the British forces, which yeah. also included the Indians and anyone from the colonies that pretty much got thrown into it. Yeah, it wasn't a particular success. No, uh, it was you know a case of you know strength in the face of adversity and. Um, you know, Actually, the one thing that was really interesting that well, Australians tend to know, but most people overseas don't know, was the um, the plan that they put into place to get out of Gallipoli. Oh yeah. yeah so this is all basically the um, the Gallipoli area was like the Australians and New Zealanders and everyone would land on the beaches, and um, this was the idea strategically to break through the. Um, uh, the Dardanelles and go all the way up to Constantinople and you know, punch the, the Turks in the nose and whatever. Yep. It was a Churchill's plan. Okay. Yep. But um, everything kind of fucked up. They landed on the wrong beaches, so they didn't land in the right location. And they landed in a location that was heavily defended. Uh, that was the Turks were in the high ground in hills overlooking the beaches. So, yeah, a lot of death and destruction. Bit of a bit of a big fuck up. But um, when they decided, oh, this is this isn't just working. They decided to retreat. They pulled out under the cover of night, 
and uh, I think there was like they set up all their their rifles to which were based around some type of water dripping water trigger mechanism, so that they periodically you know keep shooting Fire. randomly during yep. the night, so that the Turks would still think that there was someone up there or down there. Pretty clever. It was yeah. pretty clever. Very clever. Um, Anyway, have you, you, is your, is this, um, has there been any members of the Kana family who have served over the years? Uh, my brother's in the Air Force, uh-huh. and my father is was part of the uh, Navy, served as an officer in the Navy. Um, but prior to that, my great-grandfather had his leg blown off in the war. Okay. Yeah, so... My grandfather's uncle... Was shot in the head at Gallipoli. Shot in the head. Shot in the head. He died about a week later in Alexandria. He'd been kind of evacuated over there to you know patch him up, but uh, didn't make it. Didn't make it. Yep. Um, apart from that, my great grandfather, he didn't serve. In, he didn't serve in World War One. He kind of signed up just towards the end. Yep. And uh, in fact, was. It's because it pretty much by the time he did all his training and everything and he was ready to go, it was like, oh, it's over now. So he yep. then got um, put into the Commonwealth War Graves, War Graves Commission. Okay. And I don't know if you kind of see, you know, obviously that lovely memorials and graves yes. where you've got yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Kind of like Arlington Cemetery in America, I guess. But um, his job basically, which was pretty bad, was to you know, go out to these old battlefields and to dig them up. Looking find the, oh the bodies, identifying whether they're you know who, whether they're whoever, and then they go and if they can work out a positive identification, they'll get a gravestone saying so. Otherwise, it'd be you know unknown soldier, unknown soldier type of thing. Yeah. And he, according to my mother, you know he basically died doing that because of just the dealing with all the corpses and yeah, particularly decaying. horrendous morale killing. Yeah. So uh, when I when I was living in England, though, we kind of went over to some of those battlefields that we know that he was actually involved got in. involved in, yep. and that was a very very moving thing. Walking through, you know, this cemetery full of this, you know, dead Australians and New Zealanders and whatever yep. like that, and knowing yep. that he no doubt had been there. So there you go. Anyway, anyway, up on the morbidity. We should have a have a drink. We haven't had a drink yet. One of the downsides, I guess, with one and, one and only downside of Anzac Day is the pubs don't open until one o'clock. Yeah, so they don't serve um, alcohol. So <laughs> we've now got alcohol. We um, and it is now just past one o'clock. So. It is. Yeah. Um, we're drinking at the Fritzenberger. Now I'm having a. Um, you can't remember. No, Neither can I. It's a, it's a, it's a Do we quickly dash up and get the menu? It's a passionate chazon, which you is basically talking. an. Um, it's an IPA. It's, um, it's quite nice. It's got. Um, it, it's a nicely flavoured brew. And we're drinking at the Fritzenberger. Um, and the last time I was here, Amby, was. I just like coming up to the table. Yeah. It's like Kane is a crazy man talking <laughs> to himself. <laughs> no, I mean, this, this used to be a nightclub, this, this particular spot on the corner here. Um, so what did you say you're having? Uh, it's a, you've, already, you've already told the listeners. It's a... A Fritzenburger. Paradise Saison. No shoes, brews, 
No Shoes Brews, Collab Paradise. City. Citrusy. Citrusy. Yeah. Okay. But it's actually pronounced the Saison, according to the lady when I got it. Paradise have you, have you given, And how does it taste? A bit on your I'm saying it's, an, it's like an IPA, but it's got, um, oh, okay. it's got some spices in there that's quite nice. Well, I have a Berg Rouge Shiraz from Heathcote, Victoria, which I haven't had any yet. Yep. Smell. Smells good. Mm-hmm. Don't mind it. Okay. Step in the right direction. Tasty. Ambies. Yep. Like that. Good smile on his face. Just happy. He's got a good I'm trying to think of an analogy, but I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know a good analogy. I, I have an NMR for once. <laughs> oh, bravo. <laughs> well, mine's um, pretty plain and straightforward, but there's stuff going on in the back, behind the scenes, which gives it a full-bodied flavour. You mentioned where, it, where we are, Paxton Street? Yeah, and the actual place itself used to be a, um, a nightclub for many years. So I think this is the first time we've recorded in the um, Paxton Street um, I don't know, entertainment precinct in Brisbane. Yeah. Although it's not the first time I've gotten pissed in the area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, it's, it's, quite, it's quite infamous as an area for going out in Brisbane. Yep. Um, it's got quite a, quite a um, lively night scene in the area. And it's just massive here during State of Origin. Yeah, so if you're overseas, State of Origin is uh, it's a, it's a sporting event between Queensland and New South it's Wales. It's kind of like the, um, you know, the, uh, what would you call it, like the World Cup meets, um, you know, the gridiron, what is it called? The, yeah, it's in rugby. It's, 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 yeah, it's rugby. It's a rugby game. Um, they're best, they play the best of three matches. Yeah. Yep. But it's a, it's a big, big thing in both New South Wales and Queensland in Australia and, and pretty much about, outside of that, no one gives a shit. No one cares outside of those two uh, states. Yep. Anyway, so this episode, um, we're actually got an interview we promised this interview and we're going to deliver this interview um, it's, it's with a guy who very well known on web diplomacy in fact quite well known throughout the online diplomacy community um, sometimes referred sometimes referred to as uh, the godfather or god of yes. the of the, the godfather of, of online diplomacy yep um, Kestis yes yep which is really cool um and so we'll, um, we'll we'll get into the actual interview in a second. Um, it was really nice to be able to interview it in Australian time, so we're not waking up some godforsaken time in the morning. Because despite um, Kessler's accent, he's actually an Australian. Yes, kind of. So, I think he kind of just, did. You tell us of of recording what it was, but yeah, I think he was born here, wasn't he? But when he spent time overseas and. Yeah, he spends time in um, England. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Joe. He's still got an English accent. Um, yeah. So, oh, look, we get a rundown from you know the early days back in two thousand four when he established it and why. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about some of the early issues that was encountered with web diplomacy, um, and well, it goes into the reasons as to why he's set up the whole online diplomacy client in the first place, which is really cool. So this is something I think is a, a really interesting interview for anybody 
who plays Diplomacy Online. It doesn't matter if you're a web dipper, a play dipper, a V dipper, yeah, or anything any, dipper. You know, we're pretty much all IT. using the yep. same code that this man has created. And yep. literally, we wouldn't be wasting hours in, in every single bloody day if it wasn't for this guy. So I yep. don't know if we should love him or hate him, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, without further ado, should we... Um, jump into the interview mm-hmm. and then um, have a little bit of a discussion at the end of it about some really cool stuff that we um, spoke about. Sounds good. All right. Here's Pestis. Here we go. Um, welcome to the Diplomacy Games uh, podcast and we've got our big interview uh, today, with is, which is with one no other than Kestis, the <laughs> creator of PHP Diplomacy, um, which we all use on so many platforms. Kestis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, pleasure to be on. I've listened to uh, a few of your, your previous podcasts, and uh, yeah, love the format. Thank you. And you know, part of the format's kind of having a few drinks. And normally when we do these interviews, we tend to do them with folks who are obviously over on the other side of the world, where it's quite of a civilised time of the day for them, but it's usually like 7am for us. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're normally sitting down having coffee whilst they're getting, you know, having a couple of drinks and getting hammered. Um, That's not fair. We have a show for once we were interviewing someone where we're all drinking, uh, which we just discussed very, very briefly off mic. Um, so what are you guys having? I'm having a Castaway Pear Cider. It's um, that's not a bad drop for the price. Pear Cider. What's, what's that called? Um, Perry or? That's called the girl's nope. drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm drinking Little Creatures Rogers. Uh, yeah, I had a few last night, so um, normally I drink uh, Little Creatures Pale Ale, but uh, Rogers is the lighter beer, so just rocking a Rogers. I didn't know that. I, I, think, I think Kane has had a few Rogers on the show before, so um, I've got a... Um, I'm drinking wine as normal, so I've got a, the Arenberg Football Shiraz uh, 2014. Ooh. Very, very nice. Actually, I got, very this, nice. I got this from the bottle shop where they had a bit of a deal at the moment where you buy, you know, three little bottles and you get this fucking big magnum. So Beautiful. I kind of got home. I've been out at the movies with my son seeing uh, Ready Player One, which was a recommendation from Kana, and uh, quite, good, quite a good film. And I uh, got home and went, oh, I've got no bloody wine. <laughs> so I had to open the <laughs> magnum. <laughs> Wait, is it, what, what film was your kid watching? Oh, we're watching uh, Ready Player One. So it's the new Steven Spielberg film that's you know based around um, computer games that's set in the future. It's it's got a good message. It's not too bad and um, yeah, pretty good oh, yeah. storyline too. But we've got to remember this is a diplomacy podcast. Um, it's not all about talking about movies and uh, things. So <laughs> so we will kind of now um, kick things off formally uh, with you, Kestis. Um, Sure. You've been um, um, in the diplomacy world for being, as I said before in the intro, the guy who created the, PH, the very first PHP instance of diplomacy, which is what we're all running on WebDip, VDip, Diplomail, many other servers around the world. Um, when did you actually do this and what got you into it in the first place to you know, make a decision to create that? Well, um, it kind of all came about in 2004, 2005, and um, I think... At the time, I think, sort of in the 1990s, anyone who was doing computer science, you know, they'd probably have a hobby project and it'd probably be something like a Doom clone or something like that, or they'd make a computer game. But during the 2000s, 
that was when we were just kind of starting to put interactivity into the web. And uh, PHP was really sort of just evolving at that time. And I was really interested in, um, in uh, web services and, you know, um, sort of dynamic websites and things like that. I, I really get a kick out of the optimization and stuff like that. But the actual person who got me interested in diplomacy specifically was uh, my dad, actually, who would talk about, you know, this game that he played with his uni friends um, that would go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, they'd put things up on bulletin boards and, and all this sort of thing. And I, and I just, inst you know, instinctively, it was kind of pretty obvious that this would make a great uh, web game. Uh, but I didn't know anything about diplomacy. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I had to learn it all from scratch. But no, it was it was just a fun um, web dev project. So there was there's no um, well very similar to my background. My father used to talk about his mm. time diplomacy on um, well when he was in the navy. Um, did sure there would have been some. Um, instances where he's talking about putting stuff up on bulletin boards and that sort of interactivity that, oh, yeah, that would be really cool to put into um, sort of the web platform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you did you um, have to then sort of go out and find someone to play the game with, or how did that how did that happen to sort of go, I want to make this game, I've not played it before, what yeah. steps do you have to take? Well, um, luckily for me, it, it was never about sort of um, playing the game. <laughs> uh, and, and that's why, you know, I'm not going to offer you any strategy tips or anything like that or any expertise about real diplomacy. What, what I kind of liked was the adjudicator and writing the forum and, um, you know, just kind of that aspect of it. Um, but the way that sort of the community built up was slow and steady, you know, you sort of put something out there and, you know, people kind of trickle in and, you know, we'll start up a game and, and it started off quite slowly, but there was a, a bug of some sort. I can't remember the exact details, but there was some kind of a bug that caused me to sort of bring the server offline for a while back when the community was very small. And I then released an update. Um, I think it was version 0 0.75 uh, that, at that, at that time, you sort of would publish it on things like SourceForge and these open source websites. And so you get a spike of people whenever you put out a new release. And we also had the old players that came back. And so that's kind of what really, you know, started the ignition and, and you know, started things actually going on. And from that point on, we've had sort of a, a permanent community that's um, just, uh, yeah, grown and grown. And and what were some of the um, early um, early early issues that arose? I mean, you mentioned there was a there was a, uh, an early bug in the game, you know, in the platform. Um, what other issues arose in the in the early days of, of web diplomacy? Um, there weren't a huge amount of issues. There were there was stuff like you know way back in the early days, um, you know, the web technology was quite young. And um, the database platform that it was on uh, was of a type that you couldn't roll back a transaction. And, and so you couldn't do things transactionally. And so you can imagine this creates a problem if you're doing a, a game processing uh, thing where you're sort of, you know, 
changing the database on the fly. And if any problem happens, then the game would sort of be ruined. Um, but, you know, that stuff got, all got worked out. Um, the bigger issue that we had uh, that was much um, more problematic was um, getting the adjudicator right. And uh, for a while, you know, I, I loved the sort of challenge of, um, you know, writing an adjudicator and, you know, thinking up just myself, you know, how, how am I going to write a diplomacy adjudicator? And, you know, I, I kind of naively had a crack at just uh, doing it. Um, but, you know, it, if you know about the diplomacy adjudication, it's actually really um, quite complicated. And uh, Lucas, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher his name, Lucas Crudgewick. Um, wrote a whole document called the DATC on sort of writing a, an adjudicator and, and what the adjudicator actually had to do. And so, um, you know, I, the whole diplomacy community owes a lot to uh, that bloke as well for um, providing that and really sort of setting a standard and a series of tests that really um, totally eliminated the problem of um, the adjudicator. And, and ever since then, you know, we still get people who, you know, uh, we'll say the adjudicator got something wrong, the adjudicator got something wrong. Uh, but it's always turned out to be a misunderstanding of the, the rules. So, um, yeah, that provided a really uh, solid platform for us. Bit of a user error. <laughs> um, so when, when you originally did this, Kestis, um, where did it first go live? Was it within WebDip or was it a, a precursor to WebDip? Um, well... PHP Diplomacy, at the time, you had PHP BB, the forum software, and PHP this and PHP that, and it was kind of the naming trend that if you had kind of a dynamic online platform, you'd prefix it with PHP. Mm -hmm. Kind of a little bit short-sighted, really. <laughs> um, and, you know, after a while, it, it became obvious that that trend sort of faded away and, and that people no longer really when they heard PHP diplomacy, the first question was, well, what's PHP? Um, and, you know, I kind of realized that <laughs> regular users probably care a little bit less than I do about what language it's written in. And uh, so we just renamed it to web diplomacy. Um, so, yeah, it's as simple as that. PHP diplomacy is web diplomacy, basically. And what was the, what was the rationale at the time to make that code available? So it was, it was beyond just web um, it was kind of, I didn't really think about it. I didn't put much thought into it. I just sort of put the code out there. Um, it just felt like the next thing to do. Yeah. I never sort of thought of it as something to, you know, make cash on. And so it was just sort of a free project to sort of test my abilities and so on so it was just sort of the default is kind of to make it open source and I'm very glad I did because um, you know that that's really allowed a lot of the flexibility and for the other sites like VDIP and uh, PlayDIP and so on to come up um, which is great. So you mentioned you're not really a great uh, player or person to talk to when it comes to strategy, when it comes to diplomacy. Do you play the game often at all? No, no. Um, I really should. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Uh, and, you know, so, yeah. I, 
I mean, for me, d diplomacy is just kind of like an, another bo another board game. I, I can see the uh, appeal and so on, um, and I think it's a great game. But you know, I'm I'm not a big board game guy. I'm really a coder. Like, if I have um, when I was in uni, sort of the itch to write real code. You know, you're you're writing toy problems all day. You're you're learning and, and all that sort of stuff, and you kind of have an itch to. Um, actually create something that's going to be used. Um, so, yeah, that was the driver more than wanting to uh, play diplomacy on it. And I think that's a good thing because, uh, you know, other sites, um, I, I won't call anyone out, but, you know, other, other sites kind of are, are written by diplomacy enthusiasts who want the site so that they can play diplomacy. And that has its pros and cons, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's been a while since you've played. When was the last time you played a game? Oh gosh, years ago. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and when you do play, you, I assume you just play like straight classic games. Yep, yep. I think I might have played a, a world diplomacy once. Um, yeah, I, I really think that's a, a pretty cool variant. And uh, when you're playing, is there a particular country you prefer, or it doesn't really matter? Um, I, I like them all. I, I think they've all got things to offer. I don't really like Turkey very much. I, I like to be kind of a little bit in the middle of it. Um, yeah, if I had to choose, I'd probably be Italy or England. But, you know, that's based off of a handful of games I've played. So, um, your, your code has been pretty much picked up and run with all around the world, you know, like there's iterations of your code being run in Greece, Greek, and there's a Russian version, all sorts. Um, there's, an, there's an Italian one that I'd like to give a shout out to because um, he actually uh, sponsored me in writing the uh, translation layer, so um, that sort of allows it to be translatable. Uh, so I really appreciate um, Alex, who runs a, a web diploma, webdiplomacy.it, because that 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 is what sort of allows it to be uh, easily translated uh, into other languages as well. So yeah, it's it's a great thing. <laughs> and, 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 and and by the way, um, if there are any web webmasters out there listening, or any people in other foreign languages, um, if you want any help in setting up your own server and your own translation, and perhaps need some technical guidance or anything like that. Uh, feel free to hit me up or hit hit up the team members, and we'll be able to help out. You know, I think it's uh, a, a no-brainer, really. I didn't even know that there was an Italian one. I thought that there'd been rumours going around that there was one years ago, but I didn't know there actually was a live one. Now I've brought it up. Now it's great. Oh, that's good. I, I felt you were going to say that it closed down. That would have made me sad. No, no, no. I'll be able to practice my really crappy Italian on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because I need more games, like a hole in the head. Uh. Yeah, we, we sort of done toyed around with the concept of hope, <clears throat> of like making it so that you could translate on the fly, and sort of the server would, you know, you could sort of switch it between Italian and English, and so on. Uh, but I just thought that that wouldn't probably work in practice, and that you'd have people of different languages trying to play a game together. So I think the best approach is to give, you know, put the code out there and make it easily translatable and translatable in a way that you can still get new features and updates without retranslating everything. 
Uh, and that way you've got kind of a local person who's in the country who can promote it in the country and, and knows sort of their locale. And I think that that's kind of a better way to get the code um, and get the platform out to more countries. Are, are you surprised at how um, how many platforms are actually taking it on? You, I mean, your code, it's spread its initial, you know, initial thing back in 2004, 2005, now all over the place. So you, you must be proud of how far it's going to spread like. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud. And, and it's not just um, me, you know, it's been um, the help of the entire team. We have also other developers that work on it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud. It's, it's really a coder's dream to, you know, have their code widely used and widely tested and, you know, get a lot of feedback for it, positive and negative. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, great thing. If, if you had to do it again, would you approach any of the problems differently? Um, I think you, I think you got the opportunity to approach it again, didn't you? Uh, well, I think the way it evolved was kind of inevitable that there's one kind of problem that I had, uh, that was actually quite rancorous and, and, and dispute with um, one of the derivatives of, uh, of uh, PHP diplomacy at the time where they um, didn't respect the license. At, at the time, um, I licensed the code under what's called the, the BSD or um, Berkeley Software Distribution License, which basically just says uh, you have to give credit and you can't delete the license. And um, they didn't do either of those things until it was kind of discovered. <laughs> we actually had to find out that this um, site was based on web diplomacy because it had sort of been changed in ways that sort of would give the impression that it was to hide the origin of the code. Um, so it was essentially plagiarized. Now, since then, they've put the license back and they're now in compliance with the license. Um, but they don't share code back, which is, you know, fully okay under the license. But something very interesting happened um, in the late 2000s. Uh, a new software license came out called the Afero uh, GPL. So the GPL is the same license that's used by Linux. And what it means is that if you um, distribute the software, so if, you know, you put the software on a CD and distribute it, you have to distribute the source code as well. And so that way, no one can sort of take Linux and turn it into Microsoft Windows and then sell it. The problem was that there was no license that offered that sort of protection for the internet because you don't have to put out the software on a CD. You only install it in one place. And so it was kind of a loophole that um, allowed um, a company, for example, to take uh PHP diplomacy, say, and commercialize it, and there was no license that could actually stop them, that, that could sort of say, okay, you can do that, and you can commercialize it, but you have to share the code back. Uh, but in the late 2000s, this new license came out that was specially designed for sites like um, uh, Web Diplomacy that wanted to be open source and sort of have this uh, positive code sharing arrangement, um, but which previously didn't exist. Um, so if I had to, but, but again, that license wasn't available when I first started. So no, it's, it's hard to think what I would do differently um, 
I think the outcome has been just fine and uh, yeah, I'm satisfied with it. Um, when, when this originally was put together, Kestis, presumably you're developing the adjudicator and all the process and the code around the, the normal round the normal classic board. Um, but you know, WebDip and others have obviously, and particularly VDIP, have got a lot of different variants using the same adjudicator and the same code to render different maps, different experiences for players and so forth. Uh, did you know that was a, a possibility that was going to occur or a likelihood, or was it just by pure chance that the code was robust enough to be able to support uh, different maps, different variants, and different rules? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that question. One of the bits of code that I'm most proud of, actually, in um, web diplomacy is this variant layer. And so what happened was... Um, people wanted to create variants and they wanted to create variants before web diplomacy really had a good capability for it. So what they do is if you want to create a variant of the code, well, what do you do? You, you download the code and you write in changes into the adjudicator or into the, you know, into the system itself that sort of encode those changes. The problem is that then if an update comes out, you have to reapply those changes and you can't kind of take the changes you've made and easily transfer them over to some other server. Uh, and also it meant that as you, you added more and more variants, like how many does VDIP have now? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's insane. And um, I mean, it's wonderful. Um, and the variant system basically is a layer that was added in after I noticed that people were sort of creating these variants and that, you know, it was really important to people um, to make it so that you could set up a variant, but that it, it's kind of in a little box, and but that box can sort of reach out and hook into the system without changing it. So basically within a, a certain game, the variant developer has a lot of, you know, a huge amount of scope. Like you, you could literally write a, a variant that plays chess um, if you wanted to. Uh, so it came about after the community started modding, um, and you know some people had to redo their variants in the new system. But um, uh, so no, I, I didn't think of it initially. But the variant support, once it was added, I think um, is uh, yeah a very successful system, and it's really let um, people like uh, Oliver Orth uh, from Vdip um, innovate a whole lot. So do you, do you, I mean, you've recently been involved in a, a project to work on the code at WebDip, which I'll get to in a moment, um, but have you had much um, discussion, much involvement with some of the other admins from the various other in, um, instances of PHP servers and so forth for, web, for diplomacy? Well, um, you know, one thing I should note is that I'm not nearly as active as I, as I used to be in the community. You know, we have a, a, a team that sort of... Um, runs the site and uh, uh, Zoltar is um, the um, sort of day-to-day -day, uh, administrator and also, you know, doing uh, uh, sort of making strategic decisions and uh, choosing the moderator team and so on. Um, so, yeah, I've really taken a step back because in uni, you know, or when you're sort of writing tedious code, you want to do something interesting. But um, these days, for better or worse, I do that as my day job. And so it's very hard to, you know, play guitar all day and then come home and, and play more guitar. 
So uh, I have had to step um, back a bit. I mean, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we, we had um, Zoltar on the show uh, many, many episodes ago, I think it was, and I think that at the time he was, you know, let loose the little secret that he had about that, that he was getting you involved to help with the, the code uh, overhaul within WebDip. Um, how did that actually transpire? Why, why did you get involved back into it all over again? Um, I never really left permanently. I just am developing it sort of slower than I would like. You know, I, I just don't have, um, have the time that I'd like to, to devote on it. For example, um, it turns out that there's a problem with the new forum integration where um, if you ban a player on web diplomacy, the ban doesn't carry over to the forum. And so it was discovered that people sort of have to be banned twice. And, you know, that was, you know, quite a nasty uh, bug because and, and it's still there. So it's something that I was that I'm hoping to sort of fix uh, this weekend or next weekend. But, um, yeah, it, it is difficult to sort of uh, code when you've been coding all week. And that that's just a sad uh, reality. But I, I do my best and, um, you know, I, I appreciate uh, people's patience. And I also appreciate the other developers like uh, Tim Jones and all the people who contribute patches, which uh, is just wonderful. And can I just jump in here and say that the the forum is actually quite a, quite a nice piece of uh, retroactive work. You know, it's got that feel of the old forum to it, but it's, um, you know, it seems like it's not compatible with what you'd expect a forum to look like now. So a big pat on your back there, because I think it's, uh, it's, it's a good looking piece of work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I set out from the start to sort of try to not make it like a separate forum, you know, forum.webdiplomacy.com and that's kind of a, a different theme and, and it's different. I wanted it to be sort of integrated into the site. Um, so yeah, so PHPB3 is a great piece of software. It has um, excellent uh, templating features. So it was actually, um, you know, just a couple of uh, weekends of work to do. So yeah, that was a, a project that went very well, and I think people are appreciating the new forum. Of course, you know, there are some people who prefer it the old way and uh, very, very typical in, in software, but you can't please anyone, uh, everyone rather. But um, Especially web I think, I think on the whole, it's been well accepted. Web players obviously are tend to be very, very passionate about many, many things. Yes. I'm sure yes. the way they feel about the forum is one of, of, of many different things that they feel yes. they need to support. Yes. They're very passionate and um, all the good things and bad things that come along with that. No, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So you, you're starting to sound like a diplomacy player already. You haven't offended anyone, but yet you've kind of covered all your bases. Sorry? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't quite that. <laughs> I was just saying that your response was the type of thing that normally a diplomacy would play, a player would actually say. You know, you've, you've gone out to very diplomatic body, but you give yourself a bit of wiggle room for how you get out of that situation. Well, so you're better than you think. <laughs> Maybe I should give this diplomacy thing a try. <laughs> well, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It's always a bit of fun. I'm, I'm pretty sure if like yeah, yeah, yeah. the game that that you were involved in on WebDip, you'd find so many people would love to play it. Um, I think I had the same experience when I had one of the very few games with, with Ollie over at VDIP. Right. It, it, is, it, is it sad that, like, I 
would be risking like the few points I have over a hundred. I don't want to be one of those players that only has a hundred points. <laughs> well, I'm sure being on the admin team, you can probably top yourself up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rule of law is that is a is a you know vague term within the. <laughs> yeah, I've actually had, had people ask me, you know, couldn't you just go behind the scenes and look at the messages people are sending and. <laughs> like yes i could do that but that would be pretty sad what what did you what did you like kestis around the chance to go back and and do some changes recently to the web dip code what things there were a bit of a challenge for you what was of interest for you what were you kind of proud of that you that you nailed um uh, i really like the translation support the variant support those were sort of things that um that you add that don't have any kind of immediate impact, but that over time really pays off. Uh, in fact, uh, from version 0.75 to version 0.8 was probably the biggest code release. And um, essentially, I went through the code and just redid more or less everything bit by bit to make it much more, you know, run much more efficiently and so on. So that's probably the release that I'm um, the most proud of. Uh, and yeah, like before then, you'd kind of look back at the code you've written and think, oh, geez, that, you know, I would have done it this way if I did it now. But really, I think Web Diplomacy 0.8 is the first time that, uh, you know, I, I felt like I'd written a mature, you know, proper bit of software. And um, and by the way, um, writing uh, WebDip really was a great thing, uh, sort of as a, as a career thing as well, because it, it really does help train you in um, writing software for a, a large number of people. And that's an experience that, uh, that's a very useful experience that uh, very few students have the opportunity to get. So um, yeah, very fortunate. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I know that there's, you mentioned before, there's obviously a number of other developers that are you know, out there within the community more broadly who are contributing towards the code. Um, we had on, oh, I remember Kano probably was about 10 episodes ago, um, Alex Ronke, who goes by the handle of no pun intended over in, in Playdip. One of the things he talked about mm. was you know, his intention to start looking at the way the, the core PHP code works so it's, um, it's, it's far more extensible, I guess, rather than having to do little hacks into variants to kind of trick the way things work so it works, so the way it actually renders and operates. Um, have you, I mean, is, are those type of things on the radar at all elsewhere or is that something that's, I mean, is there like a little, I don't know, like a little club of, of you know, diplomacy PHP coders out there or anything like that that you guys can kind of come together and collaborate and work on. Um, we I'll have discussions often with people. Like for example, uh, someone came to me asking about writing a, an Android app um, and wanted a uh, JSON interface. Uh, so, sorry, a, you know, just an, an API so that he could hook into the system which I thought was a, a great idea. And um, I think Tim Jones is also on the same page with that. Uh, one thing, you know, it, it makes sense that, you know, over time code evolves and, uh, you know, systems evolve and the way people use the web evolves. Um, and I think 
probably the future for web diplomacy is going to be more in kind of offering uh, more of a service that can be uh, consumed by various uh, platforms. I mean, it'll, it'll always have a web presence, but I do want to open it up more and um, perhaps open up the possibility of, uh, um, you know, submitting orders between servers and, and so on uh, to sort of duplicate games and, and really making it so that the community is a little bit more mobile between sites so that if people can, you know, come up with a better version of WebDip or whatever, that, you know, the migration between servers is uh, less painful. Um, and so any any work that people do on that, I think, is great. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a chaotic thing, you know, open source, it, it tends to be the guy that sort of actually goes and that's what really drives it. And, you know, you can have meetings and plans and so on, but ultimately it just comes down to someone sitting down and doing it. And, uh, so, you know, the, the best kind of interaction you can have with a developer is a uh, pull request on GitHub. And by the way, can I just say huge shout out to GitHub, you know, um, and, and, and Linus Torvalds for creating Git. It's a wonderful system for um, uh, projects just like this. It, it's just a, hand in glove fit because you can so easily fork the code and um, do whatever you want with it and then send your changes back in uh, and annotate them and discuss them and approve them and um, it's all free and uh, yeah a huge shout out to, to um, you know I, I appreciate them <laughs> let's put it that way absolutely um, well much the same way as you I've kind of had a bit of involvement with GitHub over the years from a professional point of view so it's a, right. it's a fantastic resource yeah um, yeah absolutely um, when we're talking about code I mean there's a number of well, there's, there's some variants out there which are more like play by forum variants or, or, or so forth because the way the online adjudicator works it's currently limited very much to having two unit types armies and fleets and although you can kind of do a bit of a hack on what those happen to be mm. so like i'm thinking of things like nuclear diplomacy or um, um i think it's this what's the one kind of with the un one um i'm i'm i'm, I'm powers and no but, 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 yeah but, new world order new world order so some of those um, basically you look at you know it, it's done by a play by forum thing with the adjudicator because the software doesn't support you know having a, you know an army and a fleet and an air force or um, mm. uh, I'm actually thinking of another one which again which was no pun intended which was disillusion which is you know you have armies air forces I think and navies and I, I can't remember so right do you know, do you know if there's any scope within the code to be able to support more than two unit types if that was something that was to be developed in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've never run into that as being a, a particular problem. One thing is that um, variant developers, you know, I, I put out the platform for developing variants, but unfortunately, like, I don't really get a lot of direct feedback from variant developers myself. So I have to admit, I, I wasn't aware that people found that constraint, uh, were dealing with that constraint. So um, I think well, perhaps... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably only a minority of variants, but it's the type of thing that... Yeah, no. You know, when you think about the way a game's played yeah. standard run-of-the-mill diplomacy, 
it, you know, it's no problem at all. But you know, when you start looking at some of these yeah. things, which is more set in a, a modern context, you know, yeah. having an air force capacity or a nuclear capacity, yeah, something is quite different. Um, yeah, and it sounds like it would be a worthwhile change. Um, I'll tell you one thing that is supported within the current system because we recognize that you know people would want to store different sorts of data. There'd be variants that weren't just sort of rule changes and things, but there would be other different types of data to store. And so there is kind of this um, abstract variant data table, which I believe you can associate extra data with um, down to a pretty fine level. So it, it basically kind of lets you sort of record numbers um, against uh, a game. Um, so there is some scope for increasing the uh, data that's stored, but it's not, you're right, it, it is a little bit hackish in that, um, you know, if you stored data on every other single unit, it would probably be not a good approach. But um, no, that, that's interesting. I'll, I'll have to ponder about that. Yeah, I'd be fascinated as I've got in my head, you know, a, a couple of variant ideas that do involve mm. having having an aeroplane, essentially. An aeroplane. Right, right, right. Um, and it'd be really cool to be able to like, okay, this is how the third one operates and be able to drop Yeah, I mean, within, within the database itself, you know, our armies and fleets, it, it's just um, within MySQL as a, and I, I'm not sure, sorry, if, if you folks have a software background, but, um, you know, an, an enumeration where it's, you know, just a drop down of fleet and army and, uh, you know, certainly changing the database to support more unit types is, uh, is, is viable. It would be good to actually speak, I think, as a next step, if I was, you know, if, if we're going to go down that path uh, with the actual guy that wants to write that variant, because, you know, the best way to sort of develop code is to actually have something specific in mind. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to, perhaps you guys can uh, hook me up with that, with that uh, chat. Or, yeah. Or, or lady. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, is there anything else? I mean, I mean, that's something that we kind of obviously just brought up now that you went, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Is there anything that you've kind of thought about? Oh, look, if you had more time, you know, as you said before, you know, using the analogy of when you've been playing guitar all day, you don't want to come home and play guitar. Um, but if, is there anything that in your mind you felt could still be done to improve the way that the code works or operates at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, the thing you just raised is uh, an example of that. There's also a, a to-do list that's, infinite um, of, of things that people would like to see. Uh, the forum, I think, could use some more integration. I'd, I'd, it's kind of on the to-do list of, of things to do to make the game notification banner appear up the top. I think probably the what I'd really like to do is, I, I like making changes that sort of <laughs> enable other people to further those changes um, and you know do things with them. So I really like the idea of opening the server up uh, via API so that, you know, you could um, submit orders and, and um, you know, so that people can, can basically create their own user interfaces and if they want to develop apps and things um, that they can. Because uh, I, I did some brief development on um, uh, 
iOS uh, to develop a, a phone app, but um, it, it's it would just take too much time for me to really learn that without um, uh, an opportunity from from work. And so, I think opening the server up in terms of information so that web diplomacy is more of an adjudication platform, um, and uh, others can handle the uh, client side business. I think uh, is is uh, what I'm most excited to do. That does raise interesting problems with variants, uh, though, because, um, you know, some variants will actually change uh, the JavaScript code on the client side. And so order generation is sort of done by that code. So I'm not sure how that would work in apps. Um, but yeah, th there's so many things. So just passing, that, that means potentially having, um, let's say, I was go to the Google store, download a diploma, web diplomacy app and be able to play it on my phone, but the processing would happen on the server web diplomacy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you could uh, choose between, okay, I want to play on WebDip or I want to play on VDip. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think it opens up all sorts of interesting possibilities, like uh, perhaps cross-server games, for example, could be done. You know, uh, this server versus that server. Um, uh, it, it, yeah, I, I'm, I especially like those kind of computed, just kind of abstract ideas that can uh, lead to things down the road. That would be a bit of fun, I reckon. Because, I mean, there's there's a number of um, uh, web dip players that come over to VDIP and play dip players and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's relatively a minority. And if there was some way that the servers could talk to each other and you can do like little tournaments like everybody goes up against each other without having to worry about signing up and you know yeah exactly their ratings are all retained within the sites that they like to play in uh, that's that could be that could be interesting that could be a lot of fun and I can see that being a highly competitive environment sure yeah people have a lot of um, you know pride in, in certain communities some sometimes and um yeah, it's a bit of an, I, I'm not really sure if I'd buy into all that us versus them thing. And I think this will kind of bring down those, it would bring down down those bridges perhaps a little bit. Um, the, the sort of le legacy with um, play diplomacy has, has kind of made things a, a little bit unnecessarily rocky um, when we have to work with those folks. So we don't have quite such a good relationship with uh, play diplomacy as uh, as with the other web um uh, you know, sites. Um, what do you so mean? yeah, I think it would be a positive step. What do you, what Sorry, you, I, yeah, I was saying when you say you you don't have as quite a good relationship with them, is this because you're not in touch with them as much, or there's differing opinions um, on things, or different code, or has it? What, yeah, I mean, they, they sort of took a different um, approach to it and sort of went down the. Um, uh, commercial path a little bit more, which is perfectly reasonable and, you know, no problem with that. And the Playdip community loves it, but it kind of, unfortunately, because of the way that it initially happened, where the um, license wasn't uh, posted straight away, it uh, just kind of started off on the wrong foot, I think. And um, so that was unfortunate, but I think that's all cooled off now. And can I um, sort of jump in here? Um, and 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 thinking back, Kess, as to uh, 
earlier on in the web diplomacy journey. Um, it, it, it's definitely had a, had a, it's definitely got a reputation on the on the forum as being a bit. Well, it definitely did for a long while until it, until the forum changed and people mm -hmm. were able to um, navigate to the the, the politics subsection. Um, it, it, in those days, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of really um, let's say uh, controversial stuff occurred mm. quite, quite regularly, and, and oh. the, <laughs> so the, the hands off kind of approach to the forum um, moderation and that sort of uh, side of things. How how did, how did sort of how it evolved, um, but that um, that experience of the forum being kind of wild west in many mm -hmm. ways. Um, how, how did you um, how did you sort of view that, not being a diplomacy player and sort of seeing all these uh, differing point of view sort of hitting each other head to head almost mm. times? I mean, that must have been quite a experience sort of being the, the runner administrator of the site and having this um, quite vigorous, sometimes rancorous debates happening on the forums. Yeah. It's a, it's a balance. Um, I kind of came from a background of having seen a lot of forums killed by over-moderation. And so that's really where um, my kind of attitude of, you know, if, if you don't like a conversation, you can just block it. Uh, but, you know, let, let people chat about what they want and, and really try not to moderate things. Uh, because... That way, you know, you can have these uh, lively debates and people can post, uh, you know, last one to post wins or whatever and, and just sort of have fun in, in whatever way they want. Of course, unfortunately, that really did annoy a lot of people and, um, you know, it, it can be taken too far. Um, and so I think the current moderator team really does a great job of getting the balance right. I'm not uh, as big a participant on the forum as I used to be. Um, I, I don't know. What do you? What are your guys' honest impressions of the forum at the moment? Would do, do you have any uh, complaints or? Oh, did, um, you, did you use the forum at all? I, I I would I'd used to keep an eye on the forum uh, in its old iteration um, mm -hmm. quite regularly to keep an eye on what was happening on the sure. political side of things in countries where I wasn't really getting sort of news from them or. Um, you, know, you know, in Australia, we've only really got the ABC and the SBS, and you have to really sort of <laughs> sort <this> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, and so, uh, for me, it, it, it gave me quite a, an insight into both left and right of the electoral political spectrum in the discussions. Yeah, and, 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 and I think that's great. Right, you know, I, I do enjoy that sort of thing, but I, I think um, some didn't. And so it's it's great that now we have the forum split up. And, you know, it, it's, it was kind of a shame that it took me so long to do it because I know it's been demanded for a long time. So I appreciate the community's patience um, with that. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think, I think also the community's getting um, better at it too. I mean, political sub-forum there um, is becoming more uh, populated now. Um, I think it was a bit of a culture shock for people, sort of, oh, there's no political threads all of a sudden on my feed happening, but it's, it's there. You just need to find out. I think there's more of a pickup now uh, as people have got used to the new um, format. That's my personal take there, Kestis. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, I'll be right back, guys. I'm just going to get another brew. Sorry. Oh, okay. So actually, that's a great idea. I might just go get a drink. So we'll uh, I'll, I'll edit this little bit out now. And let's all go get some more drinks. Oh. Right, back in the tick. Back in the How are you, um, are you folks involved in the face-to-face community at all in Australia? Uh, how are things over on the East Coast regarding uh, diplomacy? I, I think it's great that, um, uh, you know, it, it's an Australian podcast. Uh, is, is that just a coincidence, do you think? Or In, in some ways, we were good. Because most of our users are American, right? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, I, I moved up to... Um, Queensland a few years ago, and um, I've been active in doing some variant creation as well as um, Ambi, and um, yeah, yeah, we just sort of yeah, yeah. We, well, we both I've, I've both been active in that sense, of, um, and then it was like oh, so we we did the uh, I think someone was putting together a map of where you're from, um, and we just realised that we were actually quite close to each other, and then we ended up right. catching up the trees and chatting diplomacy and Ambi went hey this would be a cool podcast yeah you bet yeah um as to the face-to-face stuff um i know there's there's enough community to support it in in australia on the east coast there's a there's a tournament that happens down in melbourne every year um oh yeah it's meant to be every year but there wasn't one last year but thinking about going to it actually um but i've said that each year (laughs) <laughs> since I've known about it, but I haven't yet. Sure. So everyone's got their drink sampling now? Yep. Cheers. Oh, yeah, cheers. <laughs> Wait a sec. I've got a, I've got a glass of water here. Wait, ready? One, two, three. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just like we're in the pub again, hey, Kana? Sure. <laughs> right. Um, actually, the one thing I've realised, so I was looking through my um, show notes for, well, sorry, the interview questions, and I've got nothing much left now. So, um, what about you, Kana? Um, oh, look, I, I think we've kind of covered a lot of it, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was really cool okay. to hear about the uh, internet history of, of, the, of the platform. Oh, I just wanted, yeah, no, no, just one more question. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. um, at what point did you realise that you needed moderators on board? Oh, good question. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, when the point system was introduced, people sort of started to take winning games a little bit more seriously, and they go to the point of uh, cheating and multi-accounting. To be honest, I, I find it amazing that. You know, we have this um, this quite large tool set for sort of spotting multi-accounters, and it's an incredibly time-consuming process. It, it's bizarre um, the lengths to which people go to create extra accounts. It's um, really peculiar. So thank thank goodness for the moderator team. You know, I can't praise them enough um, for the work they do in, in keeping the site clean. I think that's one of um, you know. Uh, it's it's very important, and um, yeah, they they do hard work. 
but it, yeah, yeah, imagine the mentality of it. You know, I'd like to sit down with one of these folks and, you know, discuss what the motivation is. It's weird. <laughs> what, what, what led you to um, wanting to make 16 different accounts to yeah. your main one? That's it's going a great question. I mean, what, what the motivation is. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's a game. And But, like, if yeah. you have to turn up to the server and for some reason you think this is the best game in the world and you're so competitive, you want to beat everybody, but, you know, to be able to get to, from that, unless, of course, you know, you, you pretty much, for a lot of these servers, you were, were involved from the very, very beginning or, or quite a while back, it's pretty hard to kind of claw your way to the top, even if you wanted to claw your way to the top and you were, you know, actually playing well. Um, to kind of expect that you know creating multiple accounts and doing all this type of stuff is going to get you towards the top and I don't know. yeah it's, it's, it's a really good thing you said because so i'd actually probably love to interview somebody who's been busted for multi-accounting or yeah yeah i tune into that i mean the thing is that also you know eventually you're going to get caught and your account will get suspended so how far do you think you're going to get? And you, because of the way the point system works, you sort of need a pyramid of, of accounts underneath you to sort of accumulate those points. It, it's very odd, but um, yeah, it, hence the need for the for the mod team. And it's it's a, it's an important thing to I think to have there. I mean, I, one thing I did probably about three four years ago, my son uh, had obviously been paying too much attention. Well, not paying too much attention. He'd noticed that, you know, for quite a long while I'd been playing the game and he showed an interest in it. So uh, I got in touch with um, Ollie and said, look, mm-hmm. uh, we're, I'm going to create an account. We're going to be on the same IP address. Yep. Um, but, you know, I've explained the way the game works and, you know, he could stab me just as much as I could stab him and, and sure. blah, blah, blah. And provided, you know, that was all up front with that. I think that was fine. And we were able to play a game together where we knew each other, obviously, in, in real life. I mean, Hayner mm. and I know each other in real life all the time, but, you know, I suppose it's a little bit different because we're on different IP addresses and we're clearly different people. Um, so I think it's actually, it, it was a really a great innovation, I think, to be able to have that support there for moderators to be able to to do that investigation and then to have, you know, obviously the authority and the power to be able to investigate and, and you know, kick people off the server if that's the case and they're trying to rot the system. Yeah, absolutely, and um, one of one of the things that's really important is is that 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 they don't sort of just have a knee jerk ban response because the last thing we want to do is to disincentivize or you know to dissuade people from doing exactly what you're describing. And if people want to sort of invite friends and host the game on web diplomacy, you know, that's absolutely 100% fine with us. But the problem is that it's it can be really quite hard to distinguish, and uh, it, it takes a lot of time. Um, to do uh, again, you know, can't praise the moderator team enough. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's, um, it does take a significant amount of time moderating, um, even a, even a small or, or, or an investigation. You know, like a player goes, I'm, I'm got serious considerations about this player. Can you guys have a look at him and this other one? And that that can take quite some time. Um, Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there any specific instances that sort of jumped to mind where it was like, I can't do this myself, I need people on board to help me? Um, no, uh, people have actually always offered, and, and that's one thing about 
uh, for in moderation as well is you have to be a little bit careful because um, often the sort of people who want to be moderators will be overly strict and are sort of attracted to being moderators because they can sort of, you know, have um, that power. And so you, you do have to vet personalities quite heavily when you moderate, you know, um, there's, and, and then, you know, people will, if you just post and say who wants to moderate and uh, you, you'll get a flood of replies, but the real job is sort of weeding out the actual people who will take the time and who are considerate and who, you know, actually want to improve things and not um, take up, you know, the strict people who just enjoy banning people because, you know, I've actually literally seen probably four or five communities destroyed by over-moderation and it's the, it's the kind of problem that you don't notice until it's too late. And, um, yeah, it's a fine balance that uh, the mod team um, is is uh, getting 100% right, I think. But, you know, it's the kind of thing that I would want people to sort of uh, uh, get in touch with the admins if, if they ever did think that um, there was any trouble. Sure. Talking about getting in touch, um, so if anyone's out there and they want to, you know, talk to you about, code and how to improve code within diplomacy or anything like that at all um, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you Kestis um, just Kestis at Kalukas.com yeah you can uh, send me an email uh, so Kestis yeah. is K-E-S-T-A-S at Kalukas yeah. K-U-L-I-U-K-A-S dot com correct that's right there we are Good that I've got your name in front of me on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually, um, it, it, when I go into work, I'm Chris. Uh, yeah, it's a sort of sad but true thing uh, that, you know, putting on your resume, it, it's, it's best to have a Western-sounding name and to not sort of have this uh, trouble of a foreign-sounding name. Um, so you've got a very British accent. So what's, what's, the, what's the family history, the heritage there? Uh, we're half Lithuanian, uh, quarter German and quarter English, but I was born in um, the UK. But I've, I've lived in Australia most of my life. I'd consider myself uh, an Australian. Okay. Um, so what, why did the family move to Australia? Um, actually, it was because my dad uh, was studying um, human anthropology, and it turns out that the University of West Australia has a, a wonderful anthropology department and... Um, someone who was a real expert in the field. So we actually moved out here to uh, pursue um, uh, my dad's studies, uh, which was, uh, yeah, really fantastic. And my, and my mom's a midwife, so she was on the list of, you know, uh, what are they called? Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. So uh, do you go back much at all to the old country? Yeah, I do. I, I uh, work for a, a UK company, um, um, doing ship simulator stuff and uh, so yeah that gives me a lot of opportunities to fly back um, once every couple of years or so whenever there's a uh, good excuse yeah I, I love the UK but it it doesn't feel like uh, home <laughs> I've, um, I've got a friend who when I was living in the UK um, he was an Australian and he had like the, the most 
English accent you can imagine, but like he's oh, really? ethnically Indian. And and he was like he came from Perth as well, and he just would speak so highly of Perth and Western Australia and Australia in that order. You know what I mean? So, oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah. But yeah. Um, lucky, lucky bus is now in the Cayman Islands, I think, <laughs> to working problems. A legal nice. firm over there with you know obviously filtering people's money in and out of different accounts. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, sounds. Uh... Sounds lucrative. Oh, I, 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 you sounds look. He'd probably make a fantastic diplomacy player. <laughs> yes, you bet. Uh, Kana, do you have any more questions for our lovely guest, Kest, lovely guest, Kestus? Oh no, I, I, I'm I'm tapped out for um, questions, Kestus. Um, um, thanks very much for having a chat to us. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, can I just finally say a huge shout out to uh, all of our donors as well. Um, the service community run, um, uh, entirely community community supported, and um, yeah, hugely appreciate that as well. We're actually going to be upgrading to a new server um, fairly soon. So um, yeah, just wanted to get that out there. Thanks so much, guys. Do you expect to be doing another drive on WebDip for further donations in that to kind of improve the kit? No, 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 it, no. Um, it, we're covered, and um, this is a, a free upgrade. We just had to sign a new two-year contract to get them to upgrade us for free. So, um, yeah, all good. And yeah, we, we we really try to take care of every uh, cent that people donate because, um, you know, we, we want that money put to good use. Absolutely, Kessis, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the the Godfather of PHP diplomacy, <laughs> I reckon. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good night. Yeah, All the best. You. Thanks. There we go. How about that? <laughs> Pretty amazing interview. It's amazing. Actually, we um, there were a lot of things that came out of this interview that I just didn't expect. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised to hear. Well, at the very start, though, you sounded a bit shocked um, when you found out he didn't actually play much diplomacy. <laughs> It's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, um, on, on two fronts. One, he doesn't play much diplomacy at all. And two, whilst he's obviously been involved recently with, with WebDiff and helping them with the forum and a few other bits of coding improvements, you know, he just doesn't really want to... He likes doing coding, but it's just when he's been coding all day for a job, yep. the last thing you want to do is come home and do more coding. More coding, exactly. And I can understand that. Absolutely. It's like, um, the, it's like the builder who... Um, his house is falling apart because he hasn't got time, got time or, or any inclination to actually yeah. build anything on his own home. But he's been doing it all day. Um, for the record, there's uh, just over 114 variants at VDIP. 114, wow. Yep. So that was correct at the time of the interview. Right. We've since had a couple more which um, we'll variants, which we'll talk get about. To we'll get to sometime. at some point. Um, Next since episode. then. And there's a new server being updated over at the Web Diplomacy, which is a little bit of a tidbit that people oh. may or may not be knowing about. Okay. On another topic, Andy, well, so it, was, it was raised with Kestis. Multiple accountants. Oh, yes. Yeah? I mean, what what is the logic behind someone wanting to set... I, I don't get it. I don't get why someone would want to set up several accounts in order to allow their main account to do better on an online community 
where they're obviously going to get caught at some point. I don't understand it. But maybe they don't know they're going to get caught. They think they might. They're smart enough to avoid. Maybe they don't. They don't assume. They don't know that there's various IP things and whatever. And let's be honest. I can come up with a pretty good strategy, I reckon, right now that would actually get around that. And I could create a whole multi-accounting environment and I reckon you mods couldn't pick it up. No, I reckon we could. No, I don't think you no, can. No, no, you'd be, you're, you're, you're thinking a lot. Um, you know, you're, you're using VPNs. And... Yeah, well, yes, but I wasn't going to say that because otherwise people will kind of start doing that. <laughs> but, but that's not the only thing that we look for. You know, oh, we so, look at so no, timestamps, you know, when people are online at the same time. Okay. You'd have to be writing multiple amount of messages to yourself and responding in a different gr- grammatical tone. You know, everyone's got a unique hand, uh, writing style. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you'd true. have to invent, like, almost these... But can you kind of get in there and see that level of detail? I mean, I know I've, I've actually technically got mod powers, but I don't use them. Yeah. Because of, you know, organising a tournament and everything like that at the moment, but... Yeah, oh yeah, 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 we can. Okay. We can you, access... This is, this is real, you're not just saying this, this is kind no, of pull, no, pull no, the wall no, over. No, no, no. like a uh, well-played yeah. diplomacy player going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll support you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, um, we, we, we can. We can check messages between players if there's concerns that there are multiple accounts going on. So, I mean, as an example, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of guessing that there's certain things within the back end that might assist with these type of... So yeah, so for instance, um, I'm just pulling up a random player here um, and using um, admin, uh, using the multi-accounter tool and admin actions, um, I can sort of look to see if that particular person has any IP connections oh. that have happened over a period. Now, some of these can be... Um, legitimate, you know, like they might be in the same city or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. find the same Well, I know, for example, at work, you know, okay, yeah, I can't access it anymore because of those bastards kind of cut it off. But um, the fact of everybody within that whole organisation is all going out through the same IP address. So exactly. you yeah, could yeah, have yeah, that yeah. situation, I guess. Yeah, and other things, you know, like... Um, there's, there's a whole heap of other oh, there's other secret bits of that information that this we is can kind of like this is kind of like the way Google works out who comes number one. There's like all these factors, but only the Google engineers know, and you don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's I like Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah, so I don't really want to go into too much detail. You're kind of opening the kimono a little bit, and you're just giving us a bit of a giving me a tantalising look. <laughs> bit of a bit of a. And I can must say, folks. <laughs> It's interesting. It's uh, yeah. I don't know and if I call it attractive, but it's definitely interesting. And this is yeah, okay. So, so and this, this is, is the same the stuff. stuff that, this is the stuff that we can pull up on any of the players, just publicly available. This is, this is in the code. That so this isn't just VDIP. This is like WebDIP. Well, WebDIP would have similar, similar stuff, stuff going on. I mean, this is uh, VDIP specific checking. So this yeah. is something. That, uh, so there you go, guys. Don't even think don't about, think about cheating because yeah. you will get caught eventually. Yes. But yeah, I, I still don't understand what the motivation is, why people would do that. Yeah, no, I... I mean, yeah, yeah. okay, you can, might want to get ahead and, and beat somebody, but it let's, is just a game, but yeah. maybe some people take it more serious than others, and this is like an extra level of um, deception over and above the standard deceptive play of a diplomacy player. Having said that, well, I mean, we're constantly getting people uh, going to the mod saying, oh, hey, can you check out... 
these two players or these three players, you know, we thought, I think there's something suspicious going on there, and we do, we have a look. And look, I, I do remember going back a number of years now when I was an active uh, moderator, semi-active moderator, and um, I did remember it. there were some times where you'd go in, it wasn't just the IP address, you'd also look at these particular games where clearly two or three players were constantly in this game, and that game, and this game, yeah. and they all, oh look at that, they all magically all see, so they weren't multi-counters? No, but, but they, they were, were meta-gaming, meta-gaming yep. where they yep. were obviously clearly having a, you know, hey we're going to screw everybody and we're going to score the points and we're going to get to the top of the heap. Mm. Yep. And of course, that's frowned upon. Um, you oh, we're talking we about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah if we find a, a clear case of that, um, we generally pop them into a friendship group so that they're um, unable to join anonymous games. Um, and if they join uh, anonymous games together, um, and if they do join a standard game, yep. then there's a, a flag that pops up. Everyone can read. Yep. X, Y, and Z. They know each other. Be aware. They know. Uh, all negotiations need to be made in, in games. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, it was an interesting conversation around that whole multi-accounting, and I think we got to that point there where it's like, well, we can kind of guess and we can assume what the motivation is of a multi-accounter. Yeah, but do we really know? But do we really know? So, so if you're listening to this and you, I don't know, you've been caught for multi-accounting. Or maybe the, maybe the, there's been a certain level of I don't know question mark put over your head, and you've decided to pull back and and be a good be a good good diplomacy player, community, and, community and, you've, you and, know, and you want to kind of talk accounts. about maybe why you were thinking about doing that, but never, never, of course, never, yeah, never really, no, 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 and, no, and of course we can talk to you on conditions of anonymity. Oh, if you, we can do what we did we with Care Bear uh, and make your voice sound all funny. Yes. Yeah, we can, we can make sure, and we, we can, can maybe we can even not that. even mention their name. We can call them, you know, Mister X or something. Yeah, yeah. Deep Throat. Or something. Deep throat. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something out of a porn movie. What? No, that's, a, that's the guy who leaked. Um, yeah, I know from yeah. Watergate stuff yeah. that leaked leaked leak, 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 <laughs> papers in the car park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no, drop us, drop us a line. That's before oh. something before Deep Throat meant something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've only had one drink. <laughs> yeah, not even a full one at that yet. <laughs> All right. Well, like we say, drop us a line. Um, we'll talk to you on anonymity or um, all that sort of stuff. But we w- would love to hear, like, what is it that started you off on that journey and stopped you from continuing it, maybe, or you know, all of that stuff. We want to get into your mind. Yeah. So um, either PM us or go to the website and send us an email. Or because if you send us an email on the website, like a contact form, it goes to both um, uh, Kana and myself. So. Yeah. Between those two options, we should be able to work it out. It's an are interesting you on, are you on, side of it all. Are yeah. you on WebDip much or not? Um, I am on WebDip. Okay, yep. so yep. here's the thing. VDIP people, if you kind of maybe dice with death in this place before, <laughs> send us a P, send either Kana or I a PM on VDIP. Yep. If you're a WebDipper, send can, a PM um, through to Kana. Kana 406. Then. I would say if you're a play dipper, come to me because actually I do I do hang out on play dip a little bit now because of the 1812 uh, Overture yep. tournament of time. But um, what's I'd your probably, username at play dip? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I think it's just Ambi. Just Ambi, A M B Y. I think it is. I have to double check for you. Wait a sec. 
Loading, loading, loading. I think it is. I think it's just AMB. AMB wire. Yeah. Yeah, it does take too long. Nah, can't tell. Doesn't matter. Um, just go to diplomacygames.com, go to the contact form and just... Yeah, drop us an e- uh, a contact. Yeah, say, look, I, I, I may, may, slash may not have been evil in the past. <laughs> uh, other things that were really interesting, I thought, which I was very pleasantly surprised about to hear, was our discussion around the number of units. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So and this how, is uh, yeah. something that hadn't been really... Um, that Kestis hadn't really thought about. No, sort of, no, no. Um, and I know in the past, when because I've, I've previously, as you know, had that um, uh, idea of a nuclear diplomacy game where you had a... I had to kind of compensate and get around the existing code restrictions, which only lasted two units. Yep. Which is obviously normally army and navies. Yes. And I was having to think at the time of, well, maybe I have to combine army and navies together into conventional forces and create rebrand the other one as being a nuclear force oh, but yes, what yes. we're talking about here is like something like within New World Order something within Disillusion where you actually have three different unit types Yes. so yeah, Disillusion yeah. has army navies and air wings Yep. I'm pretty sure a New World Order has what, does it have armies, navies and nukes or does it have army, navies planes and nukes I think it's got planes and nukes wow, yep. but from what Kestis was saying it's like, okay, well, yeah, the code's been written for only two because that's what I expected and yeah. didn't think anyone would actually play a game where it's got more than two units, but when you start thinking... And that makes sense. If you build the code for a game that's based around World War One, You're only really looking at two units. Yep. It's only two units. Yep. But anything within the modern context, you're looking at at least three, if not possibly four. Yes. And you could kind of easily code each one of those units to have their own default uh, operating behaviour when it comes to either movement or strength or... The tricky part with all this was would be that um, I, I would imagine that if you introduce a new unit type, you would then have to make sure that the, the DATC adjudication oh, yeah. system still holds up with that additional thing which happens. Because it's yeah, a pretty yeah, fundamental yeah. code. It would need to work in such yeah. a way that um, by updating then the adjudicator, it would um, deprecate the wrong word, but it's basically it would ignore the fact if you're playing a game that only had armies and navies, it just automatically goes, oh, well, just ignore uh, any other yeah, unit type. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought Kester sounded like, that sounds interesting, I haven't really thought about that. And I mean, we've been told in the past from various developers. Oh no, it's it's. Oh, sorry, developers and admins saying, you know, it's just it's two units, it's two units only. Love what you're thinking, but can't do it. Yeah. Tesla's are saying, yeah, sure, no problem. So exciting stuff, maybe for Bering developers. Yeah. So um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do like his idea, which is incredibly customer centric, around the idea of well. I'd like to actually work with the developer who was wanting to move a three-unit or, or four-unit game to yeah. this environment so that you yep. can actually understand what the problems and understand the issues in uh, yep. a practical use case rather yep. than just going, oh, yeah, I'll make up some code and I'm guessing how people would actually then use that code as a very developer. See, I'm, I'm a shit-ass coder. I, I, I can understand the basic stuff, but anything that goes above and beyond just simple... Um, 
hacks, and the hacks which I understand from making variants before is I know how to grab snippets of code yeah. which have worked in the past and put it into it. But the thought of creating something entirely new, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, I kind yeah. of I think you and I are both in the same boat on this. You know, we're just half assed you know, surprised we even kind of managed to pull together a, <laughs> yeah, a PHP works. variant that works when we know nothing to do with working, PHP. Working variants. We yeah. just kind of know what works for other people yeah. and we just copy-paste, copy-paste and then just rework bits and pieces and change it. Yep, yep. Voila. Although, having said that, um, I reckon that, no pun intended, was thinking along very similar lines when he was talking about yep. um, different... Uh, writing snippets or, or chains of um, things going on there. I think Toby One might be also a good um, person who's quite involved in the coding side of things who okay. may um, be interested in sort of taking that idea of three units and running with it because once it's out there and it's made, then it just be easy to apply it to a whole world, open up a world of variants. Well, it was. I mean, and yeah. you could basically take existing variants and add uh, an extra dimension on it. You may, imagine modern... Yes. With, you know, yeah. you know um, you've got armies, navies, and then tanks. Um, I suppose, well, you could do yeah, that. You could do that, yeah. It could be infantry, infantry, infantry. artillery, and Yeah, it could be whatever. a number of things. You could yeah. do, actually, depending on how how uh, robust the, um, the back-end adjudicator works, realistically, you could have a whole range of different activities, couldn't you? You types. could have, like, ten, yep. you could have... Armies, infantry, artillery. You can have bombers, fighters, submarines. <laughs> uh, you know, battleships, nuclear, tactical, nuclear, strategic nuclear. I guess. I guess you could go nuts. You could. You could. Chemical you could warfare. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Look, I've no idea how it would look. I mean, I, I'm. This is how I'm thinking. Is that. You know, you, there's an agreed upon thing what happens with um, a certain type of aircraft carrier. Yeah. So, or aircraft. You say, call it a helicopter. Yeah. All helicopters will act in the similar rule set. Special forces units. And then you have, yeah, special forces units, which operates in a certain skill yeah. set. And depending on what you want to do with that variant, you select that particular unit type. And then you can call it whatever you want. So yeah. you know, like the helicopter unit might be able to um, convoy any unit from A to B within a two territory radius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, in your variant, you might say, okay, I'm on an, I'm, I'm playing an archipelago ver variant, and um, it's set in the world of giant octopus creatures or something, and you want um, you can have giant octopus. Yeah. You can have dinosaurs up against... Yeah, 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 and you could call... <laughs> okay, dinosaurs versus right. tanks! <laughs> oh, yeah, you could call the helicopter unit the um, the, 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 the nine-headed octopus carrier person, and that, that's the name of the unit that the player would see, but it operates fundamentally as a helicopter unit. Yes. Yeah? I'm kind of thinking Game of Thrones. You're going to have infantry, you know... <laughs> um, uh, what are the horse guys again? <laughs> Dothraki? No, yeah, I know they're Dothraki, but, you know, cavalry. Which is effectively, you know, you could have... The, the Dothraki might by default always be cavalry, I don't know. Yeah. You can have dragons. You 
could have dragons, yeah. But you can also set the rule so that only, you know, Daenerys has a dragon or three. A dragon or three. You could then have, um, you know, white Un- walkers. You know, an undead dragon. Oh, yes. White walkers can also get dragons if they manage to take out a dragon. Yeah, if they kill oh. a dragon, they gain it. God. <laughs> Like actually, I can imagine someone like, no pun intended, listening to this and going, oh shit, yeah. It's just like wacky ideas, I like that stuff. Anyway, so um, a great interview with Kessis. Yes, I Andy, enjoyed it a I lot. Enjoyed that, yeah. uh, I always enjoy our interviews, but um, just to have that glimpse of the past, 14 years ago where this came from, Yep. and you know, based on what he's saying, it can still keep going and evolve considerably from where we are right now. Yeah, maybe in another five years time we'll be playing it on a um, on a front end app which uses web the, the web diplomacy server as its adjudication well, source you know, I, be... I particularly love the idea of actually having cross cross server tournaments that would games. be yeah because yeah. at the moment you know um, there have been plenty of instances like I think Open WebDip where they've tried to bring together players from the PlayDip community and Vita community and, yep. and play within that for like online diplomacy championship and things like that. But yep. I think Captain Meme did a really good one with his two uh, one versus one tournament. He brought yes. people from all over yes. the spectrum. But this way, like you could kind of maintain your rankings and how you go yep. and your ra- and ratings on your. Home server, if you happen to be primarily a play dipper or a V dipper yeah, or a web dipper, you can still come to this area and just yep. come together. It's like, you know, pretty Quidditch, cool. Quidditch World Cup. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Now, um, right, on to other matters, Andy. We do have one other thing to talk about before we kind of close up the episode, but we are um, drinkless. Do we want to actually. We've been going for 32 minutes plus an hour for the interview. It's an hour and a half. Do we want to just wrap it now and just go to the next joint, or you want to keep talking about the next thing? Actually, you probably want to talk about the next thing first and we'll get a drink. Yeah, we'll get a drink. We'll talk about the next thing, and um, we'll be back in a sec. Okay, we'll be back with the next thing after some more drinks. Oh, okay. All right. We we are back again. Cheers. Cheers. Um, You're about to ask me something. I was about to ask you something. I thought, no, I'll do this on tape. Not that it's actually on tape, it's all digitally anyway. Yep. Still like that? Still like yours? Yeah, still like it. Very tasty. When I went up there to the bar, obviously they have these, uh, I've got your pine or whatever like that. Yep. But they have, do you see these massive bottles of beer they've got? Yeah, growlers. Growlers! <laughs> I thought a growler was something else. No, they, um, yeah, often breweries will sell them like that. Okay. You know, you can buy a, you can buy a growler your own personal use and bring it into the brewery and they'll fill it up for you. Really? And take it home, yes. Yes, the Pump Yard Brewery in Ipswich does that. Ah, is that your local? That's my local. My local brewery anyway. Okay. We'll have to at some stage maybe do an Ipswich episode. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> but we'll do that during maybe, I don't reckon, it's got to maybe, be over maybe summer, summer holidays yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that where like that. I can get out there and... Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah. Anyway, anyway. I, I, you always come into come into town, so I should come out to you sometime. The thing we were going to talk about is Bors. Oh yes, the Bors. Yep. And you forgot to send me your Bors order, Andy. This may have happened yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I resolved it yesterday. Yep. Yeah, it was one of those things where. 
I guess I kind of, I, I, it's like when you're distracted by something. You're halfway through doing something, and then you kind of think, oh yeah, I think I did that. We just forget forget about it totally. Yeah, yeah. But you got your orders in. I know. The, the, weird, on the, the weird part was I got my board orders in, yep. but forgot to put in boss orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, honestly, just a small oversight to do being distracted, and then my brain went to other things, and then it's like, oh fuck, I've got to go to work, and didn't even remember that I hadn't even put it in. Oh, that's fair. I um I included a new. Um, a new statistic there for players to look at. Right. Um, How often Ambi fucks up? <laughs> no, the dollar cost for victory points. Ah. So you can see how yes, much... Yes, people um, ask for talking about that, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see how much a... Um, well, it, came, it arose from a conversation. A player was questioning me about some of the rules. Yep. About how the victory points work. I thought, oh, it'd be an interesting one to publish on the autumn adjudication. Because those won't... Oh yeah, it will change. But the input, yeah. 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 See, yeah, again, yeah. this is another. This is another example where you've kind of parted the kimono a bit more because this is used to be some of the way that I would, in my own brain and previous bosses, try to work out what to buy into. Oh yes, yeah. And okay. now you've kind of just gone. Here we go, guys. I'm going to kind of you know let everybody know, and then everyone can go. Oh, okay. So if I want value-based investing, this is the way to go. If you want to be Warren Buffett, this it, is the way to go. It was always there on the spreadsheet. Yeah, but people was too stupid to read it. People weren't reading it. That's right. Because mm. now, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how things go. But we have had our first elimination out of the game. Yes, goodbye Arabia. I think I actually had a little bit of Arabia, didn't I? Did you have a bit of Arabia? I didn't have a lot of Arabia. I thought I had a little bit when I just initially kicked him off. Um, no, you had no Arabian. Deal. I managed to cash out. You cashed out. Or has everybody got... Oh, yes. Everyone was busy cashing out, except for Bozo, who bought... He bought 2,600 units. He still had 2,600 no, no, in his bank to clear. he bought 2,600 units last season. Seriously? Yeah. Why would he do yeah. that? Why? Well, you have to ask him. Who's Bozo playing as? He's playing as... Spain. Spain. So he must have been promised something, like whether Turan wasn't going to cut the throat. Maybe. But um, 2,600 is a weird number. It's not like you're going in big expecting, you know... Expecting a massive return. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, um... I wouldn't oh, do God, it. I, not with someone who's just down on one SCs. And, and wasn't... Didn't Arabia see that... Not SCD, NMR a couple of times? I mean, I know I'm not very good at these things, but... Um, yeah, he did. Um... Look, he might be he might be playing a game where he wasn't. I don't know. I mean, I, for me, it's happened in the past. I hadn't been convinced by arguments. Maybe someone said, "Hey, we're going we're going to give um, you know, the Arabian dinner a bit of a bit of a bump. We're going to turn him into a bit of a boss whore." Yeah, which does happen. And which does so happen. Which, um, boss bitch, more correctly than a boss whore, but that hasn't happened in this boss game. No, yeah, no, no, no. I'm very surprised. And in fact. The other thing that I'm really surprised about with this boss game, which is very, very different to the last boss game, is that the value of some of these um, currencies. The cheapest currency is, what, $2.98? Yes. That's, like, incredibly high. When you consider that 
back in the days, back in the days, back in the day of you know Bourse One and Bourse Two, it was not uncommon for currencies to be worth you know. 20, 30 cents. In some cases, I remember, I think the very first time I spiked the currency was down to like about 7, 8 or 9 cents. <laughs> yeah, so it hasn't been allowed to be... It hasn't been allowed So people have rise up to previous yeah. strategies, which is a good thing yep. in the sense that people are... There's been investment across the board yeah. as opposed to group think spiked investments. Yeah. yeah so. But there's one little problem about that from my own personal perspective feel like you're going to miss out on a buy at some point well no it's not that it's just that fact that the currencies aren't dropping to a value which is means like yeah you can make a killing on it are you and are i, you, are I you, have been i don't know if you've noticed but like i've been like hoarding us dollars a few a few players a actually few players have have been buying up when, us dollars but when you when you can't buy anything of value and give it a bit of a bit of a boost so what do you do do you invest in a then in a country that is doing better on the board. Better on the board, but it may not represent the same value on the board as ideally you'd like. It's hard to pick, isn't it? Turan seems to be going quite well on the board. Turan's doing excellent on the board. Well done That's to um, Turan. Late, isn't it? Yeah, it's late. Yep. Yes. Taking out Arabia. Well, that, that was a swift stab. I mean, this is where, where what spring nine oh four now. But as I said, it it, it 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 was made a lot easier by the fact that Arabia did NMR once, or if not twice. Mm. Yep, yep. And there's uh, interesting stuff happening. I'm, I'm interested in what's happening in Africa. Well, yeah, because um, Oxum, who is I can't remember off the top of my head, has, has stabbed um, Ruckhouse who's Egypt, because Roughhouse and Dr. Recommended got into a bit of a fight early on. Oxum is Argentinian Empire. Uh, yeah. What, Roughhouse and Doctor got into a bit of a... Didn't they? Did... Is well, that what you just said? Well, yeah, because he's playing Wagadu. Yeah. So Doctor Recommended's playing Wagadu. Uh, Roughhouse is playing Egypt. It's, it's. I think they started having fights over Africa. Oh, yeah, okay. And then I think, um, You're in and then, and then my Spain. understanding might be that perhaps Doctor recommended maybe managed to persuade. My reading of the board is that he persuaded Argentinian Empire to then kind of stab Ruckhouse and come and get him. At the same time, India is opposing Oxum. Yes, by holding um, Socrates or whatever it is. Yep. And there's a bit of movement happening in the well. China has made region. some. Yeah, China's made some massive gains into Srivijaya, hasn't he? Yes. But then you've got this random Turan. Maybe that's just playing safe in case he gets stabbed. I reckon that's what that's just playing safe. No, no, that's him taking. That's a Chinese process. Was it? Yeah. He stabbed him. Well, it's just I don't one know. Unit. It was an agreement. Or was it? Yeah. He's getting free builds, so. I don't know. I reckon. How much is Turan's currency worth? Uh, Turan is currently trading. I'm going to have to make sure this episode comes out on the podcast after, after I've actually made my purchase. <laughs> uh, What's it? Hang on. Turanese Manor is currently trading at $13.94. That's one of the most expensive currencies. It is the most expensive currency. But what's its VP value? It is $116.16 for one victory point. 
So the French franc is more expensive for a victory point. Well, the French franc is is that that's too expensive. When when France is being just screwed over by Spain and Germany. Yes. So he hasn't got. That's not going to be around much longer. And um, unless of course he gets turned into a boss boss bitch, which is possible. You know, there's a few people around who understand that concept. Yeah, it comes down to how much you've bought into them, you know what I mean? Yeah, which is... Uh, and this is the thing, when you, whenever you play boards, it's really critical to try to get your allies, using inverted <laughs> to, quotes, buy your, uh, to buy your currency and vice versa, because then you've got a vested interest not to stab each other. Yes. And take each other out. Yeah. Your, um, having said that, your trading currently at the moment... Ambi is I'm one of cheap. the cheapest I am one cheap. for the, for the <laughs> Maybe it's because people know how unreliable I am and I'm likely to get whacked at any moment of time. And let's be honest, if you look at the if you look at the um, the map, I am um, I'm not doing very, very well. Well you're not exactly overrunning the board with your army hordes, are you? But no. You did take Sicily, you know, congratulations on that. With a little bit of help from um, from Egypt, so um, thank you, Roughhouse, for that. Um, and um, you know, I'm still kind of on the flip side of it. It doesn't look like anyone's against you either. That's well, a nice, healthy little scenario to be. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Players. Okay, okay. Well, uh, at this point of time, you're right. No one is attacking me because um, up until recently, uh, up until probably the last two or three turns. Uh, Kazaria has been attacking me, um, mainly because I reneged on a deal. Um, But then we kind of made up, so he's been good. He's been attacking Russia now. And then, uh, look, I must admit one thing. I am confused by Denmark's behaviour. So Denmark is, you can't handle the truth. And um, we had a situation where, for um, very early in the game, it looked much like France... Spain and Germany were allied in like a Western triple. Okay, okay yeah. Yep. And they were just smashing the board everywhere. Now, things obviously um, happened between Germany and Spain to decide to take out France. But because of the impact of the Western triple, it made sense that um, Denmark, Russia, and myself tried as best as we could to counter that Western Triple and theoretically maybe get, you know, Wagadou involved to counter Spain. Okay. Now, yep. now that France has been taken out, that friction between, or possible friction between Spain and, and um, Wagadou doesn't exist anymore. Well, I don't know. I mean, France is, is, is not in a terrible position, honestly. I mean, he's got a couple, he's got an outline row. He's lost, be, he's lost, um, what? He's, he's only no, lost, lost Narboni and, and Lower Burgundy. Gained Lothringa. Oh, he regained Lothringa. Loth- yeah, so he's only back. losing one unit, and he's got his. He's got a cluster there around. No, look, I wouldn't surprise me if he was to mount a Rally. bit more of a. So defense. you think his currency is undervalued? Oh, I don't know. Look, if you buy it when it's low and it goes, but well, it's the most expensive currency, so it's not low, Kana. Well, here's the thing, though. If you look at, um, but that's the cost of the victory yeah. point, but the actual currency value of the French francs, $7.27. Hey, you're right. It's not really that good a deal either. No. Mm. Whilst mine's cheap as chips, $5.28. you got to look at the um, 
dollar cost ratio to victory points. Who's the cheapest? Russian ruble, 338. Uh, so it's 338. 338. Three Vagian Zanji would be the cheapest at $2.98. It's actually interesting. Those currency values do have a fair reflection of how those players are going on the board. Because both are getting fucked over. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a good thing, you know, I mean, that's a good thing that the board... Well, it's not a good thing if you happen to be Srivijaya or Russia, but... Srivijaya, I think, just just, just on, on, from an observational point of view, I wonder how much... Well, Srivi and India are, saying, uh, are, got, are supporting each other. There's going over here. India's coming in right. to help um, Srivi against China. Yep. If Tehran continues to build in... Um, how many builds... Is, um, three builds. Three builds. So he can't, and this is built anywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. China's fucked. Get out of Chinese currency as quickly as you can. Yeah. Oh, Shrivi. Yes. Shrivi. Okay, guys, 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 guys. This episode is not coming out until after I put in my next boss fight. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed, is it? <laughs> I'm going big and Shrivi. <laughs> that poker machine is going to start revving up again. Pull that handle. Just don't forget to enter your orders. <laughs> hey, what currencies went up this year? Uh, what went up? The Spanish Phalos and the... Um, who's the other one that went up? The Falu and the Salidas. Yours went up a little bit this year I don't too. own any of my own stock. So, I think I own a little bit of Spain. So maybe I did okay in that, but... Um, Actually, I went up in a score. How did that happen? Victory points. My victory points went up. Yep, you gained 220 Oh, because points. I must be invested in somebody like... Yeah, you would have been growing. invested in someone like Tehran or Egypt gained supply centres or Spain gained supply centres. So that would have increased your value victory points. Hey, wait a sec. On the, on the VP player rankings, I'm like fourth last. Yes. Yes, you are. That's not very good. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I've done worse than I've ever done. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> oh, anyway, look, I think we're coming towards the end of this um, episode. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm coming to the end of this game. <laughs> Guarantee that uh, we'll, um, you'll probably hear it the next season's orders will be in about six days from there. So you'll probably oh, really? in about a week. Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got to do builds and then orders. So, so I'm going to have to hold off on this interview till then. That's okay. I've got plenty of other shit to do. We could just publish it. No. I'm not giving away... Okay, when I'm this far behind, I'm not going to give away a, a glimpse of hope. <laughs> All right. All right. What I'm going to have to do is try to um, rally the troops to start buying into Shrivi. See if it's going to work. Well, I think you're... Wait a second, who's attacking Shrivi over here? Nobody. Oh, Shrivi moved back. Yep, and you see how there's no real... How many bills is China get this turn? Was it negative? Negative. Good. Yeah, good. Who's playing China? Uh, who is playing China? China is being played by... Ezio? Ubicacia. Education. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Shrevy being techno star, he's not. 
chances are likely that he'll grasp at those opportunities that are given. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So, are we going to wrap this one up yep, and we'll go to another up. pub? Yes. For a double back-to-back episode. Double back-to-back, which is not good because this is... I'm getting lightheaded already. <laughs> the more Actually, I've got, to, I've got to be careful. Actually, I, I, I was... I kind of did a little bit of... I placed my bets in a way where I was good in some ways and bad in others. Yeah, so. Well, Mrs. Amby needed me to do some work in the backyard. So I did a bit of work before coming in here. Uh, yep. Between between uh, the, the, the march and the service and yes. coming here, yep. a lot of work in the backyard. Yep. And then my mum wants me to try to help her remotely, try to get her to printer to talk to her computer wirelessly, which is just not working. Oh, God. And she's yeah. like... Up on the Sunshine Coast, and oh. I said, "Oh, what we'll do is we'll kind of do FaceTime, and you can kind of show me what you're doing." And it's like, "What's FaceTime?" And it's like, oh no. Oh, no. "Oh no, oh no, no, yeah, no, that just sounds like a nightmare." This is like your, yeah, oh, yeah. This is the same problem you had. It's same problem it's tech support with yeah. printers. Yeah, tech support. <laughs> oh dear. Well, good luck with that. Wi-Fi I know, but the thing is, okay, so, so I was good in the morning, got all my jobs done. Yep. Actually, I also got to be careful because I've got a fire that I'm going to be putting on this afternoon, evening, to cook dinner. A fire? A fire. Did I tell you about my fire, my fire pit thingy? No, but oh. you've got a fire pit. That's cool. So I got about, um, about six months ago, when I was on leave, I um, went to, I kind of bought a, um, what, what's effectively two... Car, sorry, two wheel rips from a car. Oh yeah, they've yeah, been yeah, welded yeah. together. Yep. They had like little legs put on the bottom. Yes. A um, grill on the top, and then like a um, a rotisserie thing that you can kind of put over the top of that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And this way, you can use it with charcoal and shit. But yep. I always prefer. I like the idea of cooking with timber, like with with wood. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for a while I've been kind of cooking, you know, like last weekend I did like a roast chicken on it, which was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. And um, we bought from a camping and caravanning show probably about two, three years ago a, um, a Dutch oven that obviously had been imported from America. So it's like it's a, um, a National Parks, you know, special episode. Have you heard this music? Soulfinger. Is it? Which I've never actually heard as a song before, except in the movie Spies Like Us. Did you ever see Spies Like Us? No. Oh, it is a good movie. <laughs> it is the best movie. It's like with, with Dan Aykroyd <laughs> and Chevy Chase, they're both fucking incompetent, and they basically get created as, as spies by the CIA where they were trying to get into a, you know, the test of going to spy school. But because they're so stupid and so incompetent, they get recruited to act as effectively as the, the dummy team when they're going into Soviet-occupied Afghanistan and into Russia. Spies like us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I've got it as a DVD yeah. at home. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, so we're, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. No, wait a second. What I was talking to... about before that? Yeah, what were you talking about? You were talking about your fire pit. Oh, yeah, my fire pit. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like so, um, yeah, so I've got this, um, this Dutch oven that we bought two, three years ago, and it's obviously it's from the States because it's like some type of um, centenary of national parks or whatever. And it's like okay, branded yeah. around Yosemite yeah. National Park. Yeah. And um, cooking with Dutch ovens. On a side note, I used to think, I, in fact, for a very long time, most of my life actually, I used to think it was Yosemite. 
Yosemite? Yeah. You shouldn't be Yosemite. Or Yosemite. 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 Yeah. What yeah. do you call it? Yosemite. Yosemite. Like oh. veggie Oh. It's the American version of Vegemite. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, it must be here of vitamin B you put on that one. But um, maybe maybe Mrs. Kana can kind of give us some recipes, although the internet does have a lot of recipes in this place. Because you don't actually have many... People don't cook with Dutch ovens in Australia. That's the type of thing you cook on the campfire in America. Tasmania's got a lot of them. wood fired ovens down there yeah. still. Yeah. So anyway, we're going, to, we're going to season the oven. So apparently we're meant to season the oven by cooking some sausages in it. So I'm going to do well, that. Yeah, you want yeah, a bit of you know fat on the inside of the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of healthy fat. A bit of healthy fat. <laughs> so I've got to do that. So I can't be too pissed to get a fire going. It's, oh, it's no, walking that can't fine be too line. To set up a fire. Yeah, yeah. And then I've got to be okay. It's controlling so the fire. Help, the help um, <laughs> Mama Amby with um, with the printer problems. Oh yes. Oh, that just sounds like a headache. I hate trying to talk to my mother about stuff on the computer. It's 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 really painful to watch them. Yeah, no, really difficult. She's usually not too bad, but she's just... Things aren't working on this thing. Yeah. Anyway, we yeah. should finish up. Yes. Move on to the next joint. I'm Kana. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm Ambi. And you've been listening to diplomacygames.com. And leave a comment. Remember, if you have been someone who has dabbled in the dark side of... <laughs> dabbled in the dark of, arts. Of <laughs> multi-accounting, let, drop us a line, some way, shape or form. And as always, uh, five stars on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all those places. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, hey, if you want to support us, it's a Patreon. Talk to Patreon. If you think our audio was crap, go to Patreon and chuck in a couple of bucks. Like yes. some of our dedicated listeners, and uh, or maybe more. Or well, if you think we should get more more drunk, give us <laughs> <laughs> donate some money there, and we'll. See what we can do. See what we can do. But yeah, we're, we're going to put this week's uh, this episode into uh, recording equipment. So, uh, although that being said, I think we're still going to get pretty drunk at the next place. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. All right. Cheers, See you guys. Bye bye.